Hey guys, it's Scott. I just want to thank you for tuning into the Blue Ridge Church podcast. You know, I hope this is encouraging to you. I hope it's inspiring to you. And I pray most of all, it's going to help you on your faith journey. So enjoy today. Hey, it's great to see you guys. I want to welcome you to Blue Ridge Church. Welcome to our online campus. My name is Scott. I'm one of the pastors here at Blue Ridge. And it is always a pleasure to have you with us. Now, last Sunday, we had Celebration Sunday where we celebrated baptism with people taking their next right step in baptism, child dedication, and then we concluded the service by celebrating communion together as a church family. So uh, when we finish today, don't run off because we've got a video that we've put together uh, from last Sunday to celebrate with those folks. But we also kicked off this series that we're in last Sunday called Faith Works. And what we're doing in this series is we're looking at how our faith truly works, that God didn't leave us uh, with a faith that's ineffective, with a faith that's empty. It's a faith that if we will put into practice, if we will follow God's guidance, it works. It gets us through a lot of difficult things in our life, a lot of trying things in our life. And so that's what we're going to look at in this series. And if you were with us last Sunday, we looked at temptation. And, And listen, we all face temptation. But we learned every single thought that comes into our mind, we don't have to entertain it. And the reason we want to get a grip on the temptations in our life, because if we don't, it just leads us down a destructive path, not only for us, but possibly the people in our lives, and it leads us to sin. So if you didn't get a chance to watch that or listen to that, you can catch that on our website if you want to keep up. So today what I want to look at is something I know every single one of us watching and those in the room deal with, and that is anger. You don't have to look very far in the world today to see uh, that anger is a real issue. It seems like people just lose it all the time. You know, you can watch the news and, and whether it's on an airplane or on school bus or at a sporting event, it could be at a, a workplace or even in people's homes, anger a lot of times uh, is out of control. And it's something that we have to discuss. It's something we have to deal with because it is a real problem and it is a a sin in our lives and it does hurt our life. It not only hurts the world that we live in, but it hurts us as well. And listen, I get it. There's plenty of things to be angry about today. Right? Depending on how you see things, you know, people see things differently, but we all have certain things that are, are easy to get angry at, and, and it's justified, but we have to learn to express it properly. I, I think anger is probably our most misunderstood emotion that we have. It's definitely the most mismanaged emotion that we have. So we have to learn how to handle it. Uh, There's a right way to express it, and then there's a wrong way to express anger. Obviously, today we're going to look at the wrong way to express anger, because that's what the Scripture says. We're going to look at where anger comes from, you know, how how does it generate inside of us, and then we're going to look at how can we control our anger, but at the same time helping somebody else to control their anger. Because we can actually, the way we handle anger can actually influence a person in a positive way. And and I'm telling you, the Bible is absolutely full of scripture 
relating to this issue that we all struggle with. Look at Psalm 37, verse 8, very first uh, scripture we're going to look at today. And if you ever want to follow along with our notes, they're available on that church center app or that QR code. But Psalm 37, 8 says, stop being angry. There, we could just stop. We could just go on home, get to Cracker Barrel early, you know, just call it, call it a day. But it says, stop being angry. Turn from your rage. Do not lose your temper. It only leads to harm. Now, let me just also tell you, not all anger is a sin, okay? Sometimes the most appropriate response to a situation is going to be anger. Sometimes anger is an expression of care. Sometimes anger is an expression of compassion. It's an expression of love. So it's not automatically a sin. As a matter of fact, anger, it's a God-given capacity, right? We can read in the scripture where God got appropriately angry. And because we are created in the image of God, we have this emotion. But there is this thing called wrongful anger or unrighteous anger or sinful anger, whatever you want to call it. And we have to learn how to control it. We have to learn how to use it wisely, to use it appropriately for the right setting, the right instance, because if we don't, our anger is a sin. And most of us, our problem is not with anger in and of itself. You may think you're an angry person, but it's not the anger itself. It's the fact that we don't express it biblically. We don't know what the word of God says about it and how to express it biblically. And, you know, there's two responses usually to anger. One, we either blow up and we explode and we get it out or we keep it in. That's usually the two responses to anger. And this isn't a stereotype, but generally what I see working with couples and working with those that are married, the majority of time, not all the time, certainly not all the time, but the majority of time, it seems that men tend to express it outwardly and women tend to keep it in. Now, I've seen the case where where women keep it in or uh, women let it out and, and, and men keep it in, but generally that's the case. And in a relationship, in a marriage, there's nothing wrong with anger. Successful marriages aren't marriages that are marked by having no anger at all. Successful marriages are marriages that know how to manage the anger, okay? Because if anger is successfully managed, it can produce a great marriage. If anger successfully managed, it can produce great relationships. It can produce great friendships and great athletes and great leaders. So we have to learn. It's a God-given emotion, We just have to learn how to manage it. And I think the very first step is this, and it's learning number one. I need to understand the cost of uncontrolled anger. We need to understand that when our anger is out of control, it's going to cost us something. It may be a little, it may be a lot, but there is a cost to it when we can't keep it under control. Proverbs 29, 22 says, an angry person starts fights. A hot-tempered person commits all kinds of sin. Now, that's pretty straightforward. When we have a hot temper, when we fly off the handle, it's going to get us in all kinds of trouble. Well, what kind of trouble? And God gets very specific because, again, there's a lot of Scripture verses related to anger. And so I'm just going to go through a few of them. And I think it's a great time for us to kind of do a self-evaluation. 
You know, it's not about, don't raise your hand. Oh, yeah, that's me. You know, um, but do a self-evaluation because we never improve until we really self-evaluate ourselves and say, is this me or is this not me? But Proverbs 15, 18, a hot-tempered person stirs up conflict, but the one who is patient calms a quarrel. You, you already pictured somebody in your workplace that stirs up conflict. Proverbs 14, 29, slowness to anger makes for deep understanding. A quick-tempered person stockpiles stupidity. Anybody want to admit that? Yeah, I'm stockpiling stupidity. That's what I'm doing. No, we don't want to admit that. Proverbs 14, 17, short-tempered people do foolish things, and schemers are hated. How many of us have done really stupid things because of our anger? That verse is essentially saying we lose respect with our anger. We can lose the respect of our spouse. We can lose the respect of a friend. We can lose the respect of our children or lose the respect of our parents. We can lose our job in the respect of the people that we work with because truly nothing destroys a relationship quicker than anger. Proverbs eleven twenty nine. Here's another one. Whoever brings ruin on their family will inherit only wind and the fool will be servant to the wise. So bottom line, that's a lot of cost to our anger. When we look at those verses, that's a lot of cost. So there's specific cost when we don't keep our anger under control and we don't keep our anger in check. That's the very first thing. Here's learning number two. I have to commit to manage my anger. We got to just make the commitment, I'm going to get this under control. I'm going to start to manage it better. It's like anything we commit to in life. I'm going to work harder on this project. I'm going to lose weight. I'm going to do this. I'm going to start exercising, whatever. It has to be an intentional decision. It has to be a deliberate decision. Your, your, your spouse can't make the decision for you. Your family can't make the decision for you. We have to commit. I'm going to manage this better. And the truth is we can control it. Anger's a choice. So if we can choose to get angry, we can choose to manage it better. I love Proverbs 29, 11. It says, fools vent their anger, but the wise quietly hold it back. The wise quietly hold it back. So it's controllable. It's a choice. I choose to get angry and we'll say, oh man, I don't know what, I don't know what came over me. I don't know why I did that, you know, uh, but we can control it. We can get a grip on it. The truth is nobody makes us angry. And you're saying, oh, yeah, they do, <laughs> right? Oh, yeah, they do. You know, the way they drive or the way they are at work or the way, you know, my wife does this or my husband does this. But the truth is we are choosing to get angry based on what that person's doing. We're choosing to get angry because this is the direction that society is going in or this political person has, has made me angry because of the things that they're pushing for. But the truth is we make the choice to get angry. Uh, and just like last week when we dealt with temptation, we have to prepare on the front end for our anger. We have to kind of build a defense before something sets us off. So we should know what triggers us. We should know what our hot buttons are. We should know our emotional state, you know, when we're starting to get angry. Have you figured out other people know your hot buttons a lot better than you do? 
You know, you got those people in your life and that's what they do. They just come up and they just push those buttons to, to set you off. So we have to be aware of that. Again, so we can prepare for it on the front end to better manage it. And one of the greatest things which we're going to learn here in just a minute is to think about it before we react. Think about our anger before we react. And, th- and this, that applies to anything. It applies to the temptation. It applies to a lot of other things we're going to look at. We have to think before we act. And we're going to look again at the book of James. James is brilliant on, on a number of subjects when it comes to our faith and putting our faith into action, but especially when it comes to anger. And this is going to be a familiar verse to a lot of you, but it's the absolute best guidance for dealing with anger. And it's James chapter 1, verse 19 through 20. He says this, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. That verse is full of important truths to help us when it comes to anger, right? First of all, uh, he addresses Christians, brothers and sisters. And, and you may be watching at home or you may be here and you're like, oh, I'm, I'm not a Christian. This will still work. Guarantee you the guidance that James just gave us will work when it comes to managing, understanding, and controlling our anger. And the very first thing after he addresses Christians, he says, I want you to be quick to listen. And then I want you to be slow to speak. Don't say something you're going to regret and wish you could take it back. And then slow to get angry. Those are the three steps. And that's so simple. And we're like, well, I don't have to do that. That's how God is with us, isn't it? God's quick to listen to us all the time. He's slow to speak to us in a harsh way or a critical way or a demeaning way. And he's slow to get angry with us. And that first step that James gives us, that is the quickest way to diffuse somebody's anger. It's just listen to them. Don't talk. Just listen to them. It's simple and it works. Listening calms that person down. And it can calm us down as well. I mean, think about it. If somebody doesn't feel like they have a voice, if they feel like they don't have a say in a relationship, if they don't, if they don't feel like anybody's listening to them at home, it's just going to make them all the more mad. So if you don't take anything away today, if you just woke up, I want you to take this part away. Just simply listen to someone when they're angry because it will calm them down. And if you think about it, the best way to manage anger is to control, you know, control our mouth and listen to the other person. It will work no matter where you're at. Most of the time when we're angry or somebody's angry with us, we just get defensive or they get defensive. And all we want to do is get our point across, right? So we don't hear anything that they say. We're not listening to them. We just want to win the battle. We want to win the argument. But if we'll listen, I'm telling you, it will calm that person down and it will calm us down. It's incredibly effective at dealing and better managing anger. And and when people feel listened to, doesn't it? It just reduces. If we feel like somebody's listening to us, it reduces our frustration. It reduces our frustration. It eases the hurt that we're going through. 
And then the next thing he says is be slow to speak. And I just alluded to this because really anger management is mouth management, right? If we can manage our mouth, we can manage our anger. If we can control our our tongue, we can control our our anger and we can control our temper. So if we're going to learn, learning number two, to better manage our, our anger, we have to learn to control our words. Sometimes we say the most damaging and hurtful things through our words. That's why that verse prior to the James verse we looked at that said fools give full vent to their, to their anger. So we have to control our mouth. So we're quick to listen and we're slow to speak. And, and here's what's cool. The third one, slow to get angry, that's going to come as a byproduct if we'll just do the first two. We don't have to do anything special to be slow to become angry because if we're quick to listen and slow to speak, we're naturally going to be slow to get angry. And I think slow is the key word. In other words, we wait. We delay. There's any bit of delay in there. We, we, we pause. And the best thing to do while we're pausing to listen to that person is evaluate ourselves in that quiet period. Why am I getting angry? Why am I getting so upset? Why do I want to punch this person in the throat? You know, you got you to gotta ask yourself those questions analyze what's going on in your mind while you're listening. And I'm telling you, it will cool you down instead of just spouting off right back at that person. So these are so simple, these principles, quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to get angry. But you can see how easy this could be applied and how easy it will work. So we think about in that pause, why am I getting so mad? Why am I getting so worked up about this? Proverbs 19, 11, a person's wisdom yields patience. It is to one's glory to overlook an offense. So when we're quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry, the scripture tells us that's wise. Again, that's showing us this is what our faith tells us to do. That's going to work. But that wisdom's going to yield patience. So the more understanding we have of a situation, the more patient we're going to be. And that's not only true of ourselves, it's true of other people, right? In other words, the more I understand, for example, my spouse's anger, the more understanding I'll have of my spouse. The more understanding I have of my kid's anger, the more understanding I'll be of my kid. The more understanding I have of my boss's anger, the more understanding I'll have of my boss because a person's wisdom yields patience. So we have to ask and we have to reflect on why we're getting angry. We have to gain that wisdom. And you know what causes a lot of our anger? We're not getting what we want. Right? We're not getting our way. Think about that. You get sideways about an issue. You get bent out of shape about something going on politically or or at work, and something's really just upsetting you and upsetting you, the root of the problem is you are not getting your way. We don't like to hear that. Again, nobody's making us angry. We're choosing to get angry because we are not getting what we want. It's not going the way we want it to go. We're not getting our way. My kids used to hate when I said this. Because they would get all upset, they'd get bent out of shape about something, get mad, and I'd say, hey, you know what your problem is? You're not getting your way. But it's true when we evaluate it. 
And if you think about blowing up and, and just losing it, that's not the best way to get anything in life. It just doesn't work. So during that slow period, and, and James uses that word slow twice, he's encouraging us to identify our own anger, identify the root cause of our anger. Psalm 141 verse 3 says, Take control of what I say, O Lord, and guard my lips. Again, because if we can control our lips, if we can control our mouth, we can manage our anger. So quick review. There's a cost to our anger. Number two, we have to commit deliberate decision that we are going to manage our anger. And what we just talked about, learning number three, I need to understand why I'm getting angry. And you can answer that question when you're quick to listen, slow to speak. You will start to see, hey, here's why I'm getting angry. Here's some more wisdom for us. Ephesians 4.26. And don't sin by letting anger control you. So again, I think that's another verse that tells us we can control our anger, but also that not all of our anger is sinful. When we control it and we express it in the proper way, it's not sinful. Again, he's saying again, there's a right way and there's a wrong way. Anger is usually not the issue. It's the way we express it. And it's the way that we let it out. Proverbs 15.1 says, a gentle answer deflects anger, but harsh words make tempers flare. Again, that goes back to why James says, be slow to speak, because harsh words are just going to put people on the defensive. But also, this says, this proverb says, a gentle answer. A gentle answer can quiet a soul. Right? It can quiet your soul. It can quiet the other person's soul. The louder we speak, you know, oftentimes the more angry we're getting. So if we intentionally talk softer, it has the potential to calm us down. It can actually soothe our anger, if you will. And, and I'm not saying you got to keep it bottled up inside. If you keep anger bottled up inside, that's not healthy either, right? You got to express it the right way. But it'll make you sick if you try to keep it inside. And I think the right way to deal with it is just admit it. Hey, I'm angry. I'm hurt in a calm voice. I, I'm afraid. I'm upset. I'm frustrated. Usually when we're angry with someone, we just spout off and what happens? They, they get on the defensive, right? They step back and they immediately go on the defensive. And when a person goes on the defensive, you're not going to have any good communication for the next five or 10 minutes. I can assure you, it's just going to be a, a fight. But if we simply said, you know, uh, not to blow up, but say, you know, I- I'm, I'm scared, I'm fearful, I'm hurt, generally that person's defenses aren't going to go up. And if they are up, they're going to go down. I mean, if somebody comes to you and lashes out at you, you're going to react one way. But if somebody comes and says, hey, Scott, you know, I'm, I'm upset, I'm hurt, I'm afraid, you're going to react a different way. And just like we discussed last week, if we want real change when it comes to anything in our life, anger, temptation, whatever, we have to look at how we define that issue. We have to look at how we evaluate anger and what anger really is because anger is not about winning an argument. A lot of times we think it is. Oh, I'm going to prove my point. I'm, gonna, I'm winning this battle. I'm, I'm going to die on this hill, right? 
But that's not what it is. It's about managing it well. Proverbs twenty two twenty four. Here's some more wisdom when it comes to anger. Do not make friends with a hot-tempered person. Do not associate with one easily angered. Now, why would the Proverbs say that? Because anger is contagious, right? Anger, like anything, can infect us. If we hang around with people that are angry all the time, it's going to contribute to our anger. We're going to think that that's okay. They're going to model that for us. Think, Think about kids for a minute. There's a lot of kids in this church, so I know there's a lot of parents in this church because there's a lot of kids in this church. But as parents, we model anger management. I just thought of that movie with Adam Sadler. Uh, Ding! You know? Uh, But we model anger management for our kids at home, right? Because our kids pick up on everything that we do. And they model, often model, our behavior, right? And unfortunately, a lot of times we're teaching them the wrong way to deal with their anger. We're teaching them the wrong way to deal with anger. And our out-of-control anger, and you don't have to look at anybody, just look straight ahead, right? <laughs> but, but our out-of-control anger, it's hurting our families, and so this week, just out of curiosity, I looked up domestic violence statistics. And I, I got to be honest, it was shocking to me. But every minute, every minute in the United States, 20 people experience physical violence or physical abuse at the hands of their partner. 20 people a minute. That means from the time it takes us Just to get through the talk today, that's 600 and some people that will experience physical abuse at the hands of their partner. I mean, that's shocking to me. But what really shocked me was the fact that the next line under that statistic said 30% of those instances are witnessed by kids, by children. So that means six children every single minute witness physical abuse in their home. And we hear that statistic and we're like, oh, they're just bad people. They're just terrible people. Not necessarily. It's the fact that they don't know how to control their anger. And they don't know how to better manage and express their anger. Again, we put our faith into action and what we're learning, our faith works. It helps us to manage it. It helps us control it. It helps us to model it in the home. Colossians 3.19, husbands. Love your wives and never treat them harshly. You know, if it's going on in our family, it's got to stop. We can't be a part of that statistic. We have to learn to control our anger because there's a cost if we don't. And I think the most important thing we can do is learning number four. I have to ask God to fill me with his love. I think really the power of real change To go from an angry person to a peaceful person is to pray that God fills your heart with love. To pray for a heart of peace. Because if you jump to 1 Corinthians 13, 5, it says, love is not easily angered. Which means if I can fill my heart with love, then there's not going to be any room for anger. Right? 
If I never fill my heart with love, everything in the world is going to upset me. But if I can fill my heart with God's love, almost nothing is going to upset me. That's what that's saying. That's why that verse says, I read at every single wedding ceremony I do, love is not easily angered. Romans 15, 5 says, may God who gives this patience and encouragement help you live in complete harmony with each other as is fitting for followers of Christ. What's that saying? Patience and encouragement comes from God. So we need to work towards agreeing with each other the way that Christ wants us to agree with each other. He wants us to live together in harmony. And that's because if we will, that's part of our faith, our faith will work. So our relationship with Christ is going to determine how patient we are. And our relationship with Christ is going to determine how well we manage our anger and we can change. And so the challenge is, especially if you're married or you're in a serious dating relationship, commit together that you're going to work on your anger together. It's not one person. You both have to work on it. Now, one of the fruits of the Spirit that are mentioned in the Bible in the book of Galatians is patience, right? Love, joy, peace, patience. It's the fourth one. Patience is at the root of anger control. Because if we can learn patience, we can control our anger, right? If we never learn patience, we will never be able to control our anger. One more verse, Matthew 12, 34. I love this verse. Jesus is talking to the religious leaders, and you know, he didn't have much tolerance for them. You brood of snakes. By the way, that's not a real nice thing. How could evil men like you speak what is good and right? For whatever's in your heart determines what you say. Jesus is saying, what comes out of our mouth is determined by what's already in our heart. I heard a pastor one time say, what's in the well is going to come up in the bucket. Right? Whatever's in the well, when you bring that bucket up, that's what's going to be in the bucket. That's what this verse is talking about. Our mouth simply speaks what's inside of us. So if we've got a harsh mouth, it reveals an, an angry heart. If we have a negative mouth, it reveals a fearful heart. And if we have a prideful mouth, it reveals an insecure heart. But on the other hand, if somebody you know, has an encouraging mouth, that reveals like a, a happy heart. A gentle mouth reveals a loving heart, and a, a controlled mouth reveals a peaceful heart. We speak whatever is inside of us, and the truth is, when it comes to anger, we, sometimes we just need a new heart. We just need God to give us a new heart, and guess what? That's his specialty. You witnessed people last weekend who got that new heart, that complete heart. We got to understand there's cost to it. We got to manage it. We got to know what gets us angry. But most importantly, we got to ask God to fill us with the heart of love. And if you've never done that, ask Christ to fill your heart with love. You need to do that. Don't put it off. Maybe in the, in the past you felt like you were unlovable or you felt abused or, or unaccepted or there's no way that Jesus would fill my heart with love because there's no way I can be loved. I want you to know he absolutely loves you. He absolutely cares about you and he can replace your broken heart 
with a heart of love. He can replace your frustrated heart with a heart of peace. He can replace an insecure heart with his power. And that's where we have to start. Even though that was our last learning, that's where we got to start. We have to ask the Lord to fill our heart with love. And I'm telling you, when your heart's filled with Christ, all those feelings of fear and inadequacy and I'm unloved and all these other things, they go away. Why? Because we now have a complete heart. That missing piece that we tried to fill in our life is finally complete. So let me encourage you, if you've never done that, that's the starting point. Just start that relationship with Christ and ask him to fill your heart. Let's pray together. God, thank you so much for teaching us about anger, something we all struggle with. We may not want to admit it, but we struggle with it at different times in our life. And God, forgive us when we're angry, it seems, with the people that we love the most. That's who we get the most angry with. And God, I think that's a lot of times because we're looking to them to fulfill our needs instead of to you. We're putting something on the people we love that they were never even wired or created to be able to do. Help us to look to only you for our needs. Lord, I know there's a lot of us here, um, a lot of people watching, and anger can be an issue in our life. I'm not going to pray for them. I'm not going to pray for specific people. I'm asking for all of us. Help us to better manage it. Help us to realize there's nothing in and of itself wrong with anger. It's how we express it. And often we don't express it the way that our faith teaches us to express it. Help us to commit this week to dealing with it. And maybe that's you as we're praying. You, you've got a relationship with Christ, but you have got to deal with your anger. Why don't you just commit today that you're going to do that? Just say, Lord, I'm going to let you lead me on this. I'm going to get a hold of this. I'm going to be quick to listen. I'm going to be slow to speak and slow to get angry. And I'm going to evaluate why I'm getting so angry and I'm going to deal with it. Or maybe you're here today and you've never invited Christ into your life. You've never opened up your heart to him. Why don't you do that today? Why don't you just pray from the quietness of your heart right now? Just say, Jesus, you know what? I know I'm a sinner. I know my sin separates me from you. I want a complete heart. I want you in my life. Because when we invite Christ into our life, he starts leading the way. He starts calling the shots, and we just follow. Lord, thank you for loving us no matter what. Thank you for encouraging us and help us to deal this week with our anger. Amen. As we finish up, I just want to encourage you. Remember, we're going to show this video here in just a minute, but uh, continue to fill out those connection cards. If you've got prayer requests, put that on there. That connection card is electronic. Again, you can access it through that church center app or that QR code. Uh, if you need more information about the church or anything, you can put it on that card as well. So as we finish, uh, I want you to watch this video, and then I hope you have an incredible Sunday afternoon, an incredible week, and you'll come back and join us next Sunday. God bless you guys.